All right. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Um, so this is your uh, hosting personality, Angus Hout. And uh, who am I interviewing today? Alyssa Heard. I've heard all the jokes. Get it? Ah, <laughs> hilarious. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we got into this, uh, we were discussing uh, characters. Oh, yes. And how difficult it is to write one. Or at least how I experience it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because like, right? every writer's different. Oh, I know. As I said, as I said to you before, I am more. I cr develop characters as if they were going through a novel-length journey, right? So, if I were to write a simple character for a short film like the one that I just that I uh, I did myself about just before you guys showed up, right? Um, I was just trying not to delve too too much into the details especially like with my two supposed or my main lead right because i was trying to come across certain character aspects through just video alone and i think that's like the most difficult part of it so so small characters are probably harder to write than uh deeper characters exactly yeah. just because i'm so used to just fleshing them out and what makes them human and what makes them what makes them them, right? Like, I think I was writing a couple of characters where, like, these two are complete opposites of each other in terms of, like, how they act in real, like, how they act with their friends versus how they act with their family and how, how well they get along with their coworkers and stuff like that and how they interact with other people. And I'm just like, I can't believe I spent this much time on just one character alone. Yeah. It's crazy. Exactly. So, like, would we be able to find that on YouTube or something? Unfortunately, no, just because it is just me writing people out, okay. how I perceive them, right, and using my own experiences within these characters. So, like, if a character, if I set up a scenario where a character is like, should I do this or should I do this? I try to reflect that, okay, like, what would I do in that situation? So do you think every character that you write is has a chunk of you within them? A little bit, yeah. Just just, just a tad. Just a little? Yeah, just because I'm a very logical person, so every time I try to make a decision, it's mostly, like, what would benefit not only me, but the other person, or mm. at least I try to think that way. Usually it's just, oh, what would benefit me? Yeah. Right? I try to think of both parties and in general just because, you know, we're all human here. We should all care about each other. Yeah, exactly. So do you think that's hard? it's harder for you to write, like, a villain, per se? Sometimes, yes. It just depends on what their traits are. If they're, like, just menacing for the sake of being menacing, it's a little bit easier. But if they have, like, a certain backstory on why why they, they turned out the way they did, right? Like, okay... If they're evil because their dad died and he was like this military war hero or something like that and he wants to avenge his father. This sounds like very anime, but like I'm getting to a point <laughs> eventually. Um, it's very difficult because I know myself personally I'm not a villain. But look, I, from the outside looking in, I can kind of see why they would choose that route. Okay, so like, if we were to talk, like, do you know much about Game of Thrones? Not much. No, Not much. I've only watched the first episode. Okay, fair enough. Um, 
so essentially is there's there's politicalness to it. It's almost like the United States government where I'm going to do there, there's some characters with, within it that are going to do certain things for their own uh, benefit rather than uh, the benefit of the people. Would you think that's an easier person to write or is that a, again a very per- hard person to write? Uh, I guess I just I would have to know more of their just their what what traits that make them who they are, right? Once I start to like s- slowly understand who they are, then I can kind of plan out what actions they would take and why they would end up the way they are. As I said before, um, if I if you just gave me a name and maybe one or two traits. It would be very, and if you ask them, okay, if you ask me, like, okay, would this person go blow up a car, or would this person go help give the clothes off their back to a homeless person, right? Mm-hmm. It would be very difficult for me to actually pinpoint whether they would do choose one or the other. Yeah, so you would need you need to create your own characters rather than have someone create something for you. Exactly, just because I'm like as long or as long as someone explains their character in depth to me. So, it kind of makes it easier. So D and D is super easy for you. Go, you got a character. You're you're nailing it every time. Not all the time, unfortunately. There has been moments where I'm like, okay, this trait doesn't add up to their what their actions are. Where I'm like, okay, if they're super super kind, then why are they why are they acting like such a bitch in this in this certain scenario? Right? Yeah, yeah. Part of my French. <laughs> <laughs> but I do say this is a private broadcast so <laughs> I don't think anyone minds but still um either way as I was getting what I was getting to was the fact that um I do have moments where I'm writing these people out and they just don't match or they just seem very pretentious or they just seem like some something that I wouldn't even want to watch right or you- someone I wouldn't want to root for if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, bad guys not easy to write. No, just because I don't think I'm, I'm not. I don't think I'm a terrible person. Mm. I'd like to think as myself as a good person. So, do you think people that can write really good bad characters are bad people? Well, no, 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 no. I just think they probably have more of that range than I do. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like they, they don't have, have the tunnel vision. They have exactly uh, spectrum vision. Mm, I guess. Yes, that's basically what it is. Like I can get so into like, oh, this side of this one character that I completely that I can probably ignore the thousands of other possible or potential traits that can make them whole, right? Yeah, yeah. I get so narrow into it. That's just how I am. That's fair, and I mean like. It's a, it's an interesting way to look at it. I've never been a writer, so I can't really say mm-hmm. it's like, ah, this is exactly what I would do, and then counter why I think your way is right or wrong. Yeah. Okay, but if you were to put yourself into any fantasy uh, that you know of, what wh- where would you put yourself? Any fantasy, like any fantasy universe yeah, or, yeah, and or the, world. And or world. So if you want to like plop yourself in Middle Earth or Narnia or something people don't know about, where would you put yourself and why and where? Where within that universe? Uh, have you heard of the anime Death Note? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. Unfortunately, I would actually, I would probably plot myself in there. Okay. To so be honest, can we uh, can we get a little rundown on Death Note? So basically, Death Note follows the character of Light. He is he starts off as a high school student, and he finds what is called a Death Note. If you write in the Death Note, 
uh, if you write a name on the death note, um, after 40 seconds, they die of a heart attack. So basically, Light's goal is to rid the world of all its potential criminals. Mm. And you see his journey throughout that show. So does he get a hold of this death note book and just like starts just jotting down names or? Basically, oh, I like, okay, so now we're going to get into the first episode here. Um, he ends up, he's a board guy. Light is a board guy. He is an honor student and is considered one of Japan's best and brightest youth to go on to college. Um, he stumbles across the death note purely out of coincidence, believe it or not. So he finds the death note. First off, he thinks it's a prank, but then he realizes that it is in fact real. After the course of about five days, he writes as many criminals as he can. And they all just die. Yeah, they all died of heart attacks. Wow. And he, I think he gained a th- attention from like, from international like corporations and stuff like that. Yeah. So he's a. Pr- <laughs> See, but the thing is, what I like about the show is that they don't morally, like, paint this guy as the bad guy or this guy as the bad guy. They don't necessarily make Light, light to be a, a potential, he's a villain. And same thing with the supposed hero character. They don't make him necessarily good because he does, as a private investigator, that's the best term I can put it, he does some pretty shady things yeah so it's, it's a very gray kind of show there's no good there's no bad it's no it's it just is. it basically it allows you to reflect on your own um set of moral codes and stuff like that and i guess it just you you have to decide for yourself where you want to place upon that uh, in that like level on the spectrum or something like that yeah 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 exactly and yeah, that's crazy so like i, I could decide that a character is good because of my morals, and you can decide that they're a villain. Exactly. Because when I watched it on its first run, I got emotional from what happened at the ending, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, I guess my morals are kind of in the gray. I guess that's why I kind of sympathized with the main character so much. I knew that what he, what he inherently was doing was bad. I know that, you know, killing people is a crime, of course. And all the more tune for the other main character to go after him, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just that personally, like, it begs the question, do these people deserve capital punishment for for just committing an act of, for committing that crime, right? It just, it begs the question. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, now let's just go on to the whole new topic, uh, capital punishment. Um, do you think there's a place for that in our world right now or do we need to go on to rehabilitation uh that's a that's a good question because i'm i lean more towards capital punishment on certain issues fair enough like murderers i think that we can all agree that you know they just they some of them do deserve capital punishment unfortunately so like you would say a first degree murder something that's premeditated yes like you had you had the intention there from the start if you would pl- say if I fully intended on killing you, I like the intention is in my in my head and I get caught for it. Personally, as an honorable person that I think I am, I would like give me capital punishment. I do not. I, I that's what I see fit. I'm not going to beg. I knew I killed you. Right. Yeah. So what about 
uh, like down in the States, uh, it costs more money for capital punishment to go through than to have a prisoner sit in jail for uh, the rest of their life. Um, hmm. That's inter- That's an interesting fact that you bring that up because – uh, how many pe- like how many people do you see who come out of prison or an ex an ex con come out of prison fully rehabilitated? Um, I don't. I don't see a lot. I mean, I do see some like yeah. some bright some. I do see some bright people who come out of prison a better person per se, and like you know they try to get back into society as best as they can. But sometimes, like a good portion of stories that I see, unfortunately, is the. Um, the same person goes back to jail for because they are not rehabilit they weren't rehabilitated enough. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just trying to look up the stat here. Forty three percent of people go return back to jail within the first year of their first mm-hmm. sentence. So, and I'm assuming that's for like minor like i'm assuming that's not excluding murder excluding the rape ex- well rapist is like a whole different story yeah, it's a different thing but um, like and I'm... within five years it's 76 percent. so mm-hmm. it's uh it, is the system working do we need to go back to the harsh ways that like you work for nothing and that's it or see i don't think we should necessarily work for nothing um I'm a believer of like, okay, if you work hard, you're able to set your mind to whatever you want. So you think uh, with so, limitations, yeah, of yeah. course. So, it's like, I had a point, and now I'm kind of lost it again. Um, but if we were to say like prisoners, they just have to work their way out of prison. They don't even get like a sentence. It's like if you put in, let's just say, four thousand hours worth of community service, you get out of prison. Uh, do you think that would work better, or do you think like the fear of death is kind of where we're at right now? Um, that's hard to say because personally, like if I was in that situation where I was like, okay, would I rather fear death or do 4,000 or 4,000 hours of community service to get out of a lifetime uh, prison sentence? I would personally choose the 4,000 hours, to be honest with you. That's fair. I mean, 4,000 hours is just an arbitrary number. Exactly. I know. That's a year. I know. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm saying like, if I did that. Rather than die, I guess it's personally. I guess it stems from my own fear of what comes on after death yeah. or something. Yeah, absolutely. I can't speak on the behalf of other people, but I know that if if I was in that in that life where I was just like I'm at that crossroad, then I would personally put put in the hours to. So to basically, work hard. eye for an eye is kind of where you're at. Is yeah, yeah, that's 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 my mentality. It's an eye for an eye. Okay, so let's just say serial killer. You know, he gets thirty seven folks can't kill him 37 times obviously. unfortunately you can't but you have it's it's very tough to actually like because that that puts in the question okay like how much is a human life worth yeah but then like it's but that question is that answer is different for every person you ask right mm-hmm. like if i asked a serial obviously a serial killer does not have the same respect for human life as say like someone like just a normal person exactly like at least a normal person has some respect and decency not to kill somebody yeah at least you'd hope of course Um, yeah and yeah there's a whole lot of you know situations to where it happens why did it happen did it happen this way 
And uh, it, it is a sticky situation because you don't know how to properly respond to that. I just kind of threw that at you, and that was unfair. I know, but you know what? I roll with the punches. You do, and I can respect you for it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I respect you. Wow, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel validated. <laughs> is that what is that what people need in this society? I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, all right. Well, let's just go keep rolling here. Uh, all right. Participation uh, trophies and ribbons and that whatnot. Oh, don't even get me started. I get so annoyed with that. Like, maybe I'm just at a point in my life where if I get a silly participation trophy, I won't feel anything. But, like, kids who get participation trophies, it doesn't encourage harder. It have, doesn't, it doesn't encourage hard work. Have you ever personally received one, though? I've received a couple. But the thing is, when I do receive them, like, I'm talking about, like, grade school, middle school, maybe in high school to an extent. Participation awards for me just says, like, okay, I participated. I get an award for participation. What is that? Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's just my thinking as a kid was kind of messed up, but I was just like, okay, and then what? Yeah. I, I participated, and I didn't do sh- jack shit. Yeah. I get an award? That makes no sense. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's I never received one. Like I kind of grew up in a rural community where we're about 10 years behind. So, mm. okay. So, okay. Uh, one thing I'd heard about out of Toronto was this thing of, for children was imaginary soccer. So imaginary soccer. Yeah, what yeah. the hell is so that? So it they have a field. Okay. They have an imaginary ball and they go for it. What the hell? Exactly, right? That makes no sense. Uh, Cuz back when I was growing up like we just took the damn soccer ball and we kicked it around. We didn't know the rules to effing soccer, but <laughs> if you know if we felt like the rules have been breached I don't know. We'd argue. Or we'd argue each side. Sometimes yeah. it resulted in some fist fights. But you know what? Whatever. Oh no! We're this kids. is like a legitimate league. This isn't just like little kids playing. Oh, around. I thought this was like little kid no, shit. No, no, it's so it's little kids. Uh, their parents sign them up for imaginary soccer. This is something that I that what has the... come out of Toronto. Is this like? Is this a liberal thing? I'm I'm sorry to pin it all on politics, but is this like? Is this I, is this a liberal thing? I don't even think it's a liberal thing or a politics thing. I think it's just uh, parents don't want to have their children's feelings hurt. Okay, but then they're not going to grow if their feelings aren't hurt. I, I mean, sure, I may have not grown up with the best hand in the world. Okay, like, shit happens to everybody. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at least I can safely say at 21 years old I have grown quite a bit from the last even from the last five years of my life holy crap well i'd hope that you've grown as a person within the last five oh years. no 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 and no, that, no. Like, i was completely different yeah. like you when i was like 14 15 16 i was a completely different person than what I, if i looked in the mirror back then if i looked in the mirror right now honestly i feel very proud to where i've come personally yeah so well and like I, I would hope that every person has come through that point and just say wow i'm really proud that you know even if like 14-year-old me would be proud of who I am today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't this happy-go-lucky girl that you see today. Unfortunately, I was a very negative kid growing up mm-hmm. because of all the, just the amount of events that happened that coincide with the my mentality at the time. And I've grown significantly from that. I was like, I like, I, I don't know. I wasn't at like my lowest, lowest point in my life just yet. But, like, I felt like I've come close, like, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So you've developed a thick skin because of 
that. Yeah, you, you kind of have to, especially with the industry that you're go- like that I'm planning on going into anyway, right? You have to develop that thick skin because not everyone's going to like you, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. So do you, is that one thing that you're kind of scared about going into the radio and TV industry? Is, it is uh, something, yeah, it is something I am scared of, though, like, I think it's a personally it's a it's a rational fear it's not an irrational fear mm-hmm. nonetheless um because you can have faceless people start up a twitter account for 30 minutes call you some terrible names that you wouldn't even expect someone know, to say I know I know and I would disappear. just I would like I bat an eyelash to that type of stuff like yeah. I like it, it's fine um but if it's saying like if I take that and I put it in real life I don't know how I would handle it just because as a person, I'm not really good with rejection. Just like today, I just got a rejection letter from Frank Digital. I'm like, well, this sucks. I really wanted to work for a production company. Like, I don't want to have to. I guess it's it's stemming from the fact that I don't want to be like the stereotypical starving artist, so to speak. Yeah. That's like my one biggest career nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, starting in this industry for sure. Your first five years are going to be the starving artist, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and I, like, obviously that scares you. It should scare just about anyone. Um, but uh, so, like, the tweet that just came out from Lizzo uh, talking about how she spent eight years, you know, taking cuts, uh, giving tickets out for free, um, quitting music even for a short time to finally having this one single that broke out. Do you think you have it in you to... To handle those eight years and potentially lose everything, but then to be on the top, even if it's just for 15 minutes? I'd like to hope so, because that's basically what happened to the Jonas Brothers. They basically, their whole that whole family drained their life savings so then the Jonas Brothers could be where they're at today, right? Um, I don't know if you've—I I don't expect you to watch the their documentary, but it does go into how they were brought up and how much money they spent— and um, basically it just shows their whole life journey and how they got up to today. As I said, their dad drained their savings. His, their dad was a pastor. So they drained all of their savings, was almost homeless. But then they got their, they got their uh, big break on Disney Channel. Yeah. So. so I'd like to hope that I have a thick enough skin, though, to handle this type of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah like the bank account might be... Uh pretty low but you think yeah. that there's there's always a light at the end of the tunnel i yeah that's how i like perceive it overall i'm like okay there's always a light at the end of a tunnel or there's like or there's always a way out of every situation yeah absolutely like i just gotta find it yeah right and usually like finding the if you actively look for that it usually doesn't come to you but then when you like stop looking then it comes to you then right? it comes and you just start to succeed and uh you crush it, it. Exactly. I think that's what. See, that's why I find Lizzo kind of inspiring in that way because she endured quite a bit yeah. just to get to where she's at, and now she can probably say that she's very secure financially and maybe even personally. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. So, do you think after, let's just say, being a no name for that long, and then you have people that are being critics? So, one thing is people are like, "Well, she's a one-hit wonder. She's this. She's that." Uh, do you think that affects a person emotionally? I think it could potentially could. Yeah. Of course, like look at Gautier. Like you, you only know 
one song from them. I dare somebody to say that, oh, like, I've listened to all their music. Yeah, right. right? I do not there, know any people like that. Yeah, there's probably one or two guys who are just like, yeah, I'm a Gautier fan. But <laughs> I, you, everyone knows the one song. But that guy, he has a one-hit wonder. What does anyone else have, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, he has at least – he has something – that was at least Im- that impacted society at that present time. Yeah. Like when like somebody I used to know came out, like was released and it became like this big hit. You know what? Everyone was talking about it, right? Well, do you remember the Remembrance, the guys that did the uh, the song for Friends? Like their theme song? Yeah, the theme song for Friends. I mean, that's all I know them for. Exactly. That's but all I know them the for. The thing so. is, those guys live in the south of France. And they basically get to come home with a big paycheck of, I think it's close to $150,000 a year per each band member because wow. of that stupid song. So basically every time I clap three times, they're making royalties they're, they're, they're off of it. They're making money. They're making bank off of you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I've been doing that every single episode okay. I've watched. I clap. But, I mean, who can't clap at that uh, that all-important triple clap? I know. It's so, like, it's so catchy. It's iconic. I know. Well, Friends made it iconic. Their whole, that whole, well, team, yeah, that whole show. That song would be forgotten, totally, if, mm-hmm. if it wasn't. Because one-hit wonders, you know, they peak and then they disappear. Exactly. But if you can, uh, if you sell out, that's sometimes the point, the price you have to pay. Unfortunately, to cater to the masses, right? To keep yourself afloat, right? Yeah. Because um, that's why I think all the pop stars, like, they don't really have that. They don't change up their sound. I knew, I knew, I know a couple of them that kind of do, but they still have their same roots. Well, okay. So, like, let's look at uh, Bruno Mars and Ed Sheeran and. That other guy that they just teamed up with—they're doing a rock thing right now. Oh, for real? Yeah. Bruno Mars does not keep, like does not give me the type to like go all rock. No, no. So he's like more of a funk guy. He's yeah, he's more guy. of a funk guy, and it's not necessarily like it—it's rock and roll because it has a an electric guitar and it's played very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it shouldn't work, but it does. But that's because they're willing to change up. But again, they've hit so much success that they're able to do this. Oh yeah. Um. You know, and there's guys who just won't sell out, and I think those guys have a bigger following that uh, has a lifetime that stretches longer than um, people who do sell out. So uh, this rapper that I listen to, his name his uh, his name is Spose. Uh, he had a chance. He had one song. Uh, do you ever watch Mr. D? Mr. D, no. No. Okay. So basically, the theme song is a song called "I'm Awesome." Uh, super white guy rap. It's really catchy. Oh, wait. Is it that motherfucker? I'm, I'm awesome. Oh, no, you're that. not, dude. Yes, you are. Don't lie. Yeah, that <gasps> oh song. Oh, my God. It's just that song. So good. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That song is, like, so bad it's good. Yeah, right? Okay. <laughs> but the guy it has, like, legitimate talent. Um, but he was uh, he got shipped off to L.A., uh, signed a record deal, and then got cut because he wasn't willing to write the pop song. Um, I found this guy probably 10 years later after I'm Awesome came out, and the guy has such good music, and it it's the same, but it also changes a little bit here and there, and I think it, he's got more lo- longevity than B.O.B. or whoever else was big in 2010. Oh, I know. I, I can agree with you there. Um, like, if we were going to switch up the genres, like, look at Linkin Park, for example, my favorite band. I have listened to every single album, and I can safely assume, besides the first two, because they're kind of like, genre-wise, they're kind of the same. Yeah. But as they made each 
album after I think um, Minutes to Midnight. It's completely different. But I mean, so growth is obviously important for longevity of a band of an individual, uh, an artist, any artist. Yeah. You can't just keep throwing together the same crap and expect it to go. Yeah, well, look, well, yeah, that's true. That is very true. Uh, I'm just, I wish I had um, enough examples to throw okay. at you. So let's uh, let's look at Katy Perry. Yeah. So okay. If we were to, like, Katy Perry has what ten songs that we all know and kind of enjoy. Yeah. Um, but we've all kind of forgotten about her because she kept trying to throw the same material at the canvas, and mm-hmm. it kind of got annoying. I and think after. I just her whole album, uh, her Roar album, just gone. It just it went because then when Prism came out right after that, a couple of years later, I was just like, eh. yeah. I mean they're good on a production standpoint, yeah. but in terms of list, like if I would re-listen to it, it, it wasn't there. You know, it's something that I would find on the radio. It's like, oh, there's such a generic pop artist number five hundred and three. Yeah, exactly. Like even, Sil- even Drake. Oh, yeah, no, 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 Drake has gone. Is, it, it, has he had his point where he's like Jay-Z at the end of his career where he's just kind of like, I, I've done everything I can do. This is it. Now he has yeah. to go find his Beyonce. Kind of. I mean, he I mean, he is, has this thing with the Raptors, but, yeah, that's all, that's different. In terms of his music, though, I think after God's Plan, I feel that like was, it's That was the like, end? I think that was, unless he, like, creates this, like, single better than it. If yeah. that makes any sense, which is it will probably be hard to do because God's Plan is now one of his, I think, most well, is one of his most played songs now. And, and it got memed. So I think once your song gets memed, you're kind of done. Oh, yeah, that's true. That is true. Like, look at Billie Eilish. Though. Billie Eilish. That guy is like such a meme. It it's is. so it's hilarious. It is. And it works <laughs> so well as a meme. Um, I think that, she, again, she's going to be one of those, she's going to be kind of like Lord, where she got really big within her first album, and then she's going to try to do a li- something a little bit more creative by herself, and she'll flounder. Still a really good artist, but she won't have the commercial success. Oh, that's true. But then but then again, Billie Eilish is still, she's growing. She's growing still to yeah. this day. But right? I, mean, I remember her, I got into her when she was more underground. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because with I guess my taste in music is much more like I want to find the independent rather than yeah, listen the, to what al- everyone else is listening yeah, the to. The actual alternative rather than. Okay, so as an individual, how do you find uh, when your bands go big? What? How do you feel about that? I don't know. I mean, um, a prime example for me personally is Imagine Dragons. I loved them mm-hmm. right before they blew up. Mm-hmm. Like. I liked them for at least a year for, before they blew up with Radioactive. And I thought Radioactive was a really good single on their on that album specifically. Um, I don't know. I kind of felt like the people who are getting into them just now mm-hmm. are just, like, fake. I, I'm not really, like, trying to call the fans currently that are fake. I'm just saying, like, oh, you just got into them now? Where were you, like... <laughs> Where were you last year, bro? Like they just released like this. This uh, this is an EP turned into a whole entire album. Like Radioactive has been out for like a while now. So yeah, I mean, like it's been out since I was still in high school, and that yeah. was twenty twelve. Exactly. Twenty eleven, twenty twelve. I remember I bought the album. Um, yeah, and I was I know, gonna like, try to go see them in Edmonton at one of the smaller venues, but it sold out within like thirty five seconds. I know, because then I'm like, I can name. Off their first album, I can name a good couple of, like, 
songs that weren't singles yeah, yeah. that people should listen to, and it's really underrated. And I'm like, listen to this song. Like, Hear Me has a really good beat. No, it it's does. not. It's not. I, I'm not saying that's like, oh, that's one of their most underrated songs or anything. I'm just saying, like, it's an underrated song for that particular band. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, I think you have to listen to a full album to truly appreciate a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I find, like, actual par- pop artists don't have that opportunity where it's just like, you have to create off this beat where I think Imagine Dragons had a chance to truly create by themselves. Yeah, that's true. And then I think after that album, what, what kind of what era was that? Uh, so it was kind of the weird alt pop, I guess I would say. Oh, to be honest, I re- I don't really think that's where their talent shines. Where do you think their talent shines? I think their talent just shines like if they mix ele- it's like more talent alternative electro with like a little so bit kind of like that dubstepy yeah to be honest with you like that's where they've i think that's what they evolved into now right yeah personally i think they had like this kind of talent there but um i think that's like in the middle after radioactive and demons and all that stuff came out they kind of went into like this more pop than alternative type of thing I, well, but like, that second album in my opinion was way better than that first album even like in a non like, I'd have to listen to it, but just from what I remember, those were that was a better album. I think it was a more personal album, so I think that kind of... That's did... true. I, I did read some stories where, like, the lead singer was more writing on personal experience than anything. Yeah. Um, it could This could be just me nostalgia barfing yeah, yeah. right now. Like, I understand that because I barely listen to the second album because I'm like, oh, it's not the first one. Oh, yeah, exactly. And it's hard to get past your first album, like, those first albums where you're like, this is so good, it's not the exact same that I was expecting. Um, I usually find I wait six months and then I'll finally listen to that new mm-hmm. album. And it's like, what was I doing not listening to this album? It's way better yeah, than the first. That's how I feel about Melanie Martinez. She just came out with another album after a three, I think a four year gap. Yeah. Which is surprising because no art, I don't know any other artist who's ma- who's able to stay in the mainstream for with a gap that period. Like most artists have like, they spend like one or two years on another album tops. Blink 182. Oh, well. I'm talking about like anyone in the pop industry. Uh, yeah, like sorry. they 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 release like a album every once every couple of years. Yeah, right. Yeah, you gotta be on to top stay of that. relevant. Yeah, right. I'm just saying like as a pop, and I guess she would be classified as more of an independent pop artist. She's she's pop me- music is pop music. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're independent because independent just means you're solo. You're not. Uh... Well, okay, that was the wrong phrasing then. Um, let me put it this way: she's not on the radio but she's managed to still have maintain her popularity at so the is same that level. So like Dash 69 or others that rap because I don't know mumble rappers. No no no, she's not even a rapper. She's like she takes I guess these poppy beats and like she turns it on its head. Like it's it's something that I haven't seen in the pop industry. Like her first album I think was a concept album based on a character named Crybaby, which which is based off her own experiences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So basically Crybaby went through being kidnapped, through being uh, no one coming to her birthday party. Um, boys, of course, right? Yeah. And all this other stuff, which is like, I'm like, wow, this is weird. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's really, it's it feels special when an artist can almost tell your story via their music. I know. It's like, it's poppy, but like... For them outcasts, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You I know? mean, like, let's look at Linkin Park. That, I wouldn't say it's pop, but it's 
it fit into that genre that everyone kind of liked that was new it was fresh but yet it spoke to everyone oh i know that's what the that's the thing that they got behind them see when i hybrid when hybrid theory and meteor came out i know i was like too young to even remember that crap but like when i started listening to them personally i'm like oh this is like this speaks to me. Yeah. You get my angst as a teenager. I right? really feel it. Exactly. That's what I loved about them so much. Like, it's the same thing with Three Days Grace at the time. Mm-hmm. But, like, Linkin Park had it down to a T. Yeah. To the point where I was just like, I'm willing to go to your concert and make myself a broke kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. And just be like, Just to enjoy the, the I hour love this and a music. Half. Like, this is so relatable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just they have that level of relatability on top of their, like, I guess they're outlier in the production world, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're, I think, the only per. I, I think they're one of the only groups who've rap or who have rap alongside metal. Oh no! Besides, no, th- besides, like maybe Hollywood Undead. Um, but like, there, there is actually a whole subgenre of music called new metal. Um, so that would also include. Um, yeah, Hollywood Undead is the only one I I actually know. Uh, Fred Durst's band. I, I'm sure someone actually knows who they're called. Um, either way, everyone makes fun of them. Uh, oh, that sucks. It, no, it, it was bad. Oh, uh, well, I, you just said they were making fun of them. So I'm like, okay, bullying is not tolerated in my house. Oh, sorry. sorry. Um, Limp Biscuit. <laughs> okay. Now I've heard of that one. Yeah. I've heard the jokes. It, it, they're bad. They are. I, I, I've tried. There's a couple like I can, I can a couple this. of them are subpar at best. Yeah, that's that's. But the like best. they're but they're like on the average, it's like y- you could do better. Yeah, absolutely. Like, come on. I see. But like again, '94. You like music wasn't what it was. Like we just lost Kurt Cobain that year. Oh, I know. And I was so, so like when I heard about that, I'm like, oh, I don't even get to see Nirvana live. This right? sucks. Right? It just like, oh, this is awful. Um, I know. But I mean, music at that time was kind of going through it. Like, we just lost kind of grunge, kind of came and went, mm-hmm. and now we're kind of trying to figure out new. We identities. lost Chris Cornell too. So you, well, that was just a couple years ago, but uh, still super sad because that guy was one of the most talented rockers and or most talented singers in my opinion. I, I no, wouldn't necessarily like, agree with that you, for me no, personally. Listen to it. If you, there's an audio online of just him singing, like where there's no music, there's no nothing. The dude's just got a wicked range, and he just oh, nails it. Okay, I, I have some homework to do after yeah, this. Yeah, you got homework, and then when we meet up again, you, this is that's what you got to tell me. All was right, all right, it? all right. Okay, so I was going to be like, personally, at this pres- at this moment in time, I don't agree I do believe the person who is like the best male singer is I think what's his name, the lead singer from Shine Down, by far. Okay, I okay, I can I can see that like he's a very talented man. I'm not even gonna try to argue that because but just I grew up listening to like Soundgarden and just even his personal stuff. Where again he's I wouldn't say he's it's a different kind of style that works really well. I think because he has a range. Um, it's even like Freddie Mercury. I don't think that guy was super talented, but he had such a range that it worked. Oh, yeah. And that's, I think, I don't know if it if it's that what's made him famous or it's just like no one's Who, ever Freddie heard Merc? of. Yeah. I'm just talking, yeah. I'm just talking about besides Queen and like him being in Queen and being like, oh, this is their songs, right? Like people remember when they listen, when they think of Queen, they think of like Bohemian Rhapsody, Another One Bites the Dust. So there's. Nine, nine or ten songs that everyone knows by Queen, 
But Queen probably has a library of about 130 songs. Yeah, once again, it's like it's 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 going to happen to every group though. Absolutely, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, but everyone just tries to act like the biggest Queen super fan. But you get past like their best of album. Mm-hmm. How many people are actually going to start uh, racking off like different song titles? I know. That's why I was just like the biggest Linkin Park bitch out there because I'm like I know all songs from the first two albums. I mean. A Thousand Suns and Minutes to Midnight weren't that bad, but I listened to them anyway. Yeah. Um, the Hunting oh, you Party. you don't w- like Minutes to Midnight? Yeah. Uh. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but I'm like, there were some good songs on there. I think once they got to Living Things and The Hunting Party, that's when they started getting up like, oh, I'm getting hyped about them again, yeah. right? And then One More Light was just so emotional, and I'm like, oh, this is hurting my heart. Yeah, and unfortunately, <sighs> I think that's kind of what killed a lot of their fan base because they were kind of moving into that uh, 21 Pilots-esque... Uh, oh, it's the... It's, it's that, the yeah. uh, softness of it. That's like emotions aren't just anger and harshness. It's like, oh, hey, I understand my feelings now. So this is one more, uh, one more light. Uh, See, so yeah. and, and and so it's darkness, but with like a kind of a cheerful undertone. Exactly. That I think fans were distraught about. I think that's one. Unfortunately, got to Chester Bennington is people are hurting his feelings about music. Which oh, again, I know, which is it, so unfair. It really is because again, how much of those people can actually create something beautiful, or even just anything that people are willing to listen to. I'm sure there are a few of them, but overall, like, yes, you, you're allowed to critique music, but overall, I don't think you get to say some very hurtful things and just exactly. wreck a guy's life, essentially. I know, and then, like, you think about it, they've, by him do, committing suicide, he potentially ruined the, I guess, I'm not going to try and blame it, his suicide on him, but, like, it created this domino effect, okay, like, the fans are hurting him. He hurt the fans and his family and more. Mm-hmm. So it created this whole domino effect that I don't even think that needed to be, uh, to be there in the first place. No, and again, I think it comes down to just, it comes from like a really small group of people, less than 1%, who are just so loud and so angry and just so dickish for no reason. Exactly. And I, and it's also just like, even within society where you know, it's the 1% who are just screaming about nothing. I know. You know? Like, um, so like oh. the Santa Claus. Um, Santa Claus doesn't need a gender. Santa Claus needs to be a person of color. Like, St. Nicholas was a real person. So, and yeah. that's who we're basing Santa Claus off of. The dude, the, the man was like, obviously a man. He's from Germany, so he's probably white. Like, Santa Claus doesn't need to have PC code written all over him. Let Santa Claus be an old man who's just happy to give. Color doesn't matter. I know. It's like it's like taking the same thing, okay? Take the same uh take the same thing, apply to the tooth fairy. Does the tooth fairy need to be a fucking man? No. Did, th- did, I don't don't bring the movie into this. No, no, no. I wasn't going to because Dwayne the Rock Johnson brings color into the tooth fairy, so thus he's PC. Mm. But I was gonna say, like the tooth fairy to me is just genderless. And I mean, why do we need to give Santa Claus a sex? Like he's he's married, cool. But well, we yeah, because need... our song is about his wife, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, but again, we don't need to give gender or sexuality to every character that we ever come across. No, like you don't necessarily need to. I understand, like being... Th- there's some... Being, okay, it's like being a person of color and being in a minority... Uh, being a minority myself, yeah. I'm like, I understand. I like, I get all hyped, you know, and like, oh, woohoo! Like, I'm being represented. Yeah. 
not accurately, but I'm being represented. You yeah. know what I mean? Exactly. And I, I don't blame you for that. I, like, I'm a white straight male, so... You can I, see yourself in a bunch of movies. Yeah, I, I, I always see myself like, yeah, that's me again. <laughs> Funny joke. Um, oh, I but, wish I could say the same thing. Right? <laughs> yeah, how many Filipino movies are there? There's a lot, but the thing is, this is just my take into it. I don't, they're like, they're like really over dramatic for my liking. Mm. And I'm, that's why, that's why I, just, I can't watch it. Cause I'm like, uh oh, her husband is cheating on her again with her tw- identical twin sister and her identical twin sister's a ghost. Who would have thunk? Wow. Filipino movies are whack. I'm just talking about like the TV shows and stuff like oh, that. Like I'm getting, getting, getting to get into the movies. So that's just a whole different story. But I'm like. But again, uh, white guy who's never had to come across, who's never come across your culture within cinema, kind of. It's exactly. Weird. You wonder why, like, this is. I think this is why I watched Pretty Little Liars for the longest time because one of the actors on that show, or at least the main characters, their real actor was Filipino. Filipino. Yeah, okay. they were half Filipino. So I'm like, yeah, not only she's good looking, but she's Filipino. <laughs> so do you think Great. it draws people more people in to have a person of color and or you know, sexuality. I think so. Yeah. Like to certain, to certain extents, of course, like there's going to be the group like, oh yeah, there's an Indian being played. Uh, I'm talking about like from India specifically. Yeah. Right. Um, And there's going to be people who are like, oh, here's someone from Africa playing this person. Mm -hmm. Right. Like there's always going to be that. Like take it for, I'm going to just use a really bad example and say like Fantastic Four and say like, oh, the flaming torch is black. Yeah. What? Not against it personally, but people made such a big deal out of it when it doesn't need to be. He's just acting. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, black versus white, no big deal. New Spider-Man's Mary Jane is... She's black and wool. She, she, she looks, she's black and white. Yeah, like her, yeah. She, her she's, actors, she's a light skin. Yeah, she's... Yeah. Zendaya? Yeah. I'm going to say Zendaya. No, it's the right pronunciation. Yes. You got it. Um, but, yeah, she's mixed. Uh, like, she, she's uh, milk chocolate. We'll yeah, we'll, she's she's mixed. So, yeah. like, no, but Again, I don't... No. No harm, no foul. Exactly. Um, and I found within the last Spider-Man, they really did a good representation of different cultures at a school. They weren't like, hey, look at this culture. Look how good we're doing. It's just like. I know. Like Flash, it looks like he's from like Arabia or like Egypt or something like yeah. or something like that. He's probably like Arabic or something or like that. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Which in the comics originally, he's like this big dude. Yeah. And then he, I guess in the Homecoming movies, he's pretend he's. I like a very short stature guy, fairly large, like somewhat pudgy guy. Yeah. You know, like. Wait, who are you talking about? Flash, Flash, Flash? Thompson. The oh, guy who's okay. supposed to be Flash Thompson, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, it doesn't, I don't think, personally, I don't think it matters too, too much. Like, okay, when I watch shows, I don't particularly look for like, oh, where's the Filipino in this movie? Oh, where's the gays in this movie? Well, yeah. actually, that's kind of a lie. Sometimes I do, but it's just a guilty pleasure thing. Yeah. But like, I don't actively make that the be all and end all for every movie mm-hmm. that I watch. Like, if so, I watch Frozen, for example, like I'm talking about the first Frozen. Yeah, yeah. So if like I watch Frozen and I'm like, oh, okay, not the best Disney film, but at least it's a Disney film. Exactly. Yeah. Like I I can argue about which it's the best Disney film, but we're not gonna go into no, that. No, no, that, that's for next time. Yes. But still, like... Um, so how does that legitimately make you... Like, are you more drawn to go see Frozen 2 because Elsa is now a lesbian? Or are we just going to be like, cool, she's a lesbian? Like, why Why do we need to have that in a kid's movie is kind of my question. See, here. hmm. 
I do understand where like where that's coming from. Yes, I like being represented. I'm like, oh yeah, a gay person on TV. Not to mention she's a the first gay Disney. Well, technically the first gay Disney princess. Yeah. Right. Technically, I say technically because she's not in the original lineup. Of, yeah, yeah, but like we'll call her a Disney princess for yeah, for simplicity. Yeah. But like, I do feel good when you know, like, oh, there's someone being represented in the mainstream because a lot of the stuff that you see, I guess, or that is considered mainstream, you don't see a lot of that. Usually the gay characters tend to be more of the side role mm-hmm. or they're like the comedic punching bag. Like, <laughs> I, I, you're I, gay. Like, that's like, the whole That's the, the whole punchline. Either that or they're, or just, even, or they're just a naturally dumb person. Yeah, or even it's just their character arc is they are gay and that's it. Yes, that is what I hate. I see. When, remember when I said just a few minutes ago, where I'm like, I kinda actively seek out those mm-hmm. people, like those shows. But like, there's one show that I can think of that it's like, okay, they're gay, but like, that's not the main focus of the story. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I love about it so much, despite it being only just a web series, right? Yeah. Like, now going back to Frozen Two, well, I, am I more inclined to see it? Yes, because I do. I am in the LGBT community. Yeah. I want to see my, I guess, my community accurately represented. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't think it's a shoe, like a kind of a shoehorn in to be like, ah, crap, we need to get seats in the, or butts in the seats. So let's make Elsa gay because we can't do it with Anna. See, see, I understand that point too, because there have been shows where I have watched where they've been like, are they gay? It doesn't look like it. But it seems like it. Yeah. Right. So even like with the new Harry Potter, or like with uh, J.K. Rowling coming out every oh, couple months and being like, yeah. uh, Hermione's black and um, uh, uh, Dumbledore's gay, and um, just kind of like throwing See, whatever she she's can. She's like, she keeps retconning herself to the point where it's just like, okay, then what is canon and what is not canon? Yeah. Right. Um, now going back to like, I guess seeing minorities in film, like I understand, like okay. You don't necessarily need to show a, a gay person to a chi- a potential child watching this video, mm-hmm. this film. I get that. Don't want to shove that down their throat. Shove that down their throat. Yeah. However, there are those kids who may also be struggling with their sexuality because, like, I know that there could be kids like, say, as like as young as my sister. My my sister's fourteen. Yeah. Personally, I don't think she should be thinking about her sexuality at this age. Uh, just let her. I mean, I think it comes up. I think going through puberty, you start yeah. to kind of ponder all of that stuff. Yeah, that's true. But she was even thinking about, she even told me personally that she's been thinking about it since she was like 11 and 12. Yeah. Like, like so, I'm like, And I girl. think that could be a thing where it's just, it's starting to get pushed on kids younger and younger. Uh, I think that's an issue with the internet because pornography is an actual, like, dangerous thing. And if oh, the parent's not sure. watching what their kid's on, yeah, you get I into understand some dark that. tunnels really early exactly. on. Exactly. And um, no fault, I guess it's more fault on the parents than anything. Yeah, but, yeah absolutely. So, but, I mean, like, I'm not trying to blame your parents for any of this or that. Um, but I think it's, the sexuality is coming out earlier and earlier. Like, even trans children, that boggles my mind. Yeah, like, that be, does too. That because, does too. like, I was a, like, we were all little kids. Uh, me and my sister would play Hot Wheels together. And then we'd play with her Barbies and dolls. Yeah. And like, again, I'm a fairly, like, I'm, I'm a straight male. I don't think I came out of that damage at all. My dad was like, cool. I know. Playing with a doll. Yeah, me too. And um, basically how I grew up, I grew up around all male cousins. Yeah. Like, just, I guess, I don't know if it just comes natural to me mm-hmm. to be a little bit more edgy or masculine. Because I yeah. know that I'm not. 100% feminine. I I like to portray myself as such. Yeah, but you're but you I come know, off you, with an edge. 
I yeah, I I do have an edge to myself, unfortunately. Like, yeah. For thankfully for me, right? Yeah. Um, like when I can recall, like just us horsing around and wrestling. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like we'd played like Nintendo DS. We'd watch all the male shows out there. Like like say I'm just giving anim- anime as a, an example because we yeah. used to watch a lot of anime as kids. Like Pokemon, generally male. Yeah. Right. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh, generally male. Ma- uh, yeah. I would say, like, a little bit of, like, Digimon, but, like, Digimon is stupid. Like. Yeah. So, like, I mean, like, so for you, like, you're, you're bi? Yes, I am. Yes, okay, okay. That's what I figured. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. That was implied there. Um, so, whatever. It, it is what it is. It's yeah, 2019. It's, no one really gives a shit anymore. I know. I, I, I even say, like, I like who I like, right? Yeah, yeah. And when people, thankfully, people have not been giving me glances every time I mention an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend, yeah. right? Like, I mentioned, I guess, I don't know. I think, like, my pie chart personally leans more, like, half and half. Yeah, yeah, you're you're split down the middle. Yeah. Again, like, and then for me, I don't understand. I'm a small-town kid, so I'm just like, oh, there's gay, there's straight, there's bisexual. And then you get into, the, like, the other ones and, like, what in the hell does that mean? So See, I just kind of, like, I just treat it as you like who you like and you just you just accept it. Yeah, I understand that. And then, but then there's also that part of, like, I guess us in the community where it's like, we want ourselves to be accurate, we want ourselves to be represented accurately and not be subdued to all these just nasty stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, you like, know, like, even as a white guy, you, you hate to, I'm a white guy with a goatee. I don't want to see seen as a racist dickhead. Like, well, no, that's, like, that's not what I come off as hopefully i know like and i don't want to be portrayed as like oh i'm just a little nerd who yeah. likes geeky things and blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah. even though that is part of my personality yeah, yes you're, you're more than i am that. more than just the typical nerdy person yeah i do have i do have some depth in there <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> i don't know it's just i like seeing my i like seeing the like minorities getting their light finally right because like you can probably watch a movie like 20 years ago and like everyone would be white yeah exactly and i mean like you had samuel l jackson and ezekiel name ezekiel washington no that's not denzel washington Washington. there you go uh yeah you had sam jackson and washington there and that was it that was your black guys Ooh, and will smith Oh yeah, that's your token. That, that's that, obviously your token that, yeah, black. Yeah, that's guys. your token black. Those are your three token black guys. Now every and then every now and then we would get Morgan Freeman, but you know, just in a certain role. He's just he's more the narrating type. Yeah, the narrating type. He's just like I'm here, and this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I can't get a Morgan I, Freeman. I love Morgan Freeman's voice oh, so much. It's, it's just so smooth. I know, and it's like you're top notch. If you were a radio host, you would do so well. But would he? If you, because uh, the thing is, people kind of want bounce to their radio. The, Morgan oh, yeah. Freeman well, doesn't oh, have bounce. They, well, like okay. David Attenborough as well. Beautiful voice. I don't know if I could listen to him on the radio. Okay, well, put okay. I'll I'll refra- I'll retract that statement and make a new one. He would be um, Morgan Freeman will be good on more of like those jazz stations. Mm, there you smooth go. Smooth jazz. Exactly. See, that that works for him because he has that tone of voice oh, and yeah. it's constant, right? Well, like a, even a CBC he'd do super well in. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know about jazz, like a jazz station because it's just like, no, you're right. No, you, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I've it, listened it, to enough jazz. It's almost monotone to Yeah, the point. if you've listened to like 
or like if you listen to classical music or, or jazz music at all, then you'd probably know. Yeah, so uh, this was the uh, opera of the ninth Beethoven. I'm really glad Shut up, don't mock us, okay? I like <laughs> classical music, man. Hey, man. I love classical music too, but it's just those guys on CBC who are just talking like this right against the mic. And it's kind of quiet, and they're kind of whispering. You don't so, know bro, why. That's so different from me, because I'm fucking loud as hell. Oh, yeah, so good see, luck like, working on CBC. I am so loud. Like, come on, you can see the peaks on the freaking thing right oh, yeah, now. absolutely. I'm the same way. <laughs> I'm, like, such a loud person. Yeah. Maybe it's just a cultural thing for me, because I, I know Filipinos, are like they tend to be really loud. Yeah, and I mean, no like, offense, but like I, I don't think people are offended when you call out your own culture. <laughs> but still, I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a cultural thing. Yeah, We're absolutely. loud as hell. And I don't I'm, care. I'm... I'm a rural kid from Alberta, so I'm a redneck at heart. And I, that's all I people see me as, so I got to be loud and obnoxious. But, like, I don't think I could be the next rich cheer fry and just... All right, so we have Wonderwall going on the radio next because that's what happens on CBC Wonderwall with Oasis. I can't, I, I, can't, I can't do that. It'll probably take me years just to develop that voice, and then my voice will be steadily quiet like this. Yeah, yeah, so that's, you kind of lose yourself. So I really hope you never work for CBC. I would like to work for CBC like as, like, for... As, as, a, as a video person. As then, a video, yeah, But yeah. then, like, on the radio, is it, like, I'm interested, yes, it piqued my... Radio does pique my interest, yes. However, that's not where my heart is set. Yeah. My heart is set on video. Yeah, it will I mean... always be on video. It has not changed since 2015, 2016. Yeah. It has not changed one bit, that's for sure. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that's awesome. Like, you, you you knew what you wanted, you went for it, and you're here now. Yeah, I know. Like, it's it's crazy to think how much time has passed. Right. It's like, what, 2019 now? I'm, I'm almost 22. Shoot. Like, when I think back now, I'm like, oh, I was a little, a sh- a little shit back then. Yeah. Like, I'm a real big shit. That's that's it. <laughs> if, if I had to sum up my entire teenage life, it's just big shit. Big shit. <laughs> yes. What about you? Uh, teenagehood. Um, if I'm gonna describe that, is uh, in one term, that was a roller coaster. Roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. So wow. like, yeah. I mean, like everyone's teenagehood should be a roller coaster. It, yeah, it obviously like, should. There was, there was, uh, there's highs and lows, and that's how I could describe it. Cause I, I went through party phase, and then I went through I'm designated driver phase, and then I went through trying to better myself, but I don't know what I'm doing, and then anxiety and depression, which was super fun. Oh, I know it is. It's so fun, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I get. I go through the same thing, constantly. Yeah. You know, it's it's a struggle. It is. It really is. Wait, um, but then that begs the question: Do all artists have some form of like mental illness to them, or is it just that they, or is it just how they are? Um, I think there's a a little bit to it. I think the majority of artists happen to fit into a couple different. Um, personality type so if you were to go do your Myers-Briggs I would say you're probably an ENFP ENF me an ENFP I think so E or an INFP one of those two I am an INFP I've taken it enough times where I've gotten the same thing so that's why we connect well because I'm an ENFP okay yeah see so I think more more, uh, a lot of artists are E or an INFPs mm -hmm. um I would say the majority of our class happens to fit into that archetype yeah me personally, when I was just like growing up, I was just like, yeah, I'm more of an introvert, maybe like ambivert at best, because like I need my alone time. Yeah. If someone bothers me, I will be cranky. Like you do not want to come in within ten feet of me. Yeah, yeah. Cranky. So like, it's all good, you know. It's just 
I love Myers Briggs though. Yeah, I mean it's super cool. All right, so we got forty seconds till I'm gonna shut her down because I decide we're going for one hour and one hour only. One hour, holy shit! I've been talking for one hour. Actually, yeah, we've been uh, we've been doing good. We haven't stalled at all. You know what? I'm actually happy about that. That means we got some good chemistry then. Obviously, we like. Do. See, like, you wonder why I hang out with Murdo and Joey. We all got create great creative chemistry. Yeah. We make some good shit, man. Oh, man, I'd love to go get those guys in and uh, just get three hours worth of podcasts Right. In. No, like, I want to show you my PSA that I did with Joey and Curtis. Oh, yeah? But, I mean, Curtis, unfortunately, no harm, no foul to that guy. We He barely helped. Um, it, <clears throat> this is more of a me and Joey type of thing. All right, best wishes.